Welcome to The Floor, fantasy and sci-fi lore. We are diving back into The Witcher. As we prepare for Season 3, we are diving into the big lore points of Season 2. As we dive into this first episode, we are going to look at what is a Bruxa? What is the religion of Koram Agtara? And how does that influence Nevelyn's curse? We're going to talk about how curses work on the continent and in the world of The Witcher, along with a lot of other lore dives, and looking at some of the differences between the books and this story as it is played out by Netflix. If any of that interests you, you can dive into the episode here. Roll the intro. Do you remember the first story that was so spellbinding that it drove you to break the rules and stay up all night? To keep reading, keep listening, keep playing, so good you forgot your life and lived there? So good that the moment it ended you asked yourself, what next? Welcome to the floor. Our goal is to take you back, take you deeper, to explore and understand more, and relive that childlike wonder. Join us as we dive deep into humanity's greatest stories, no matter how they are told, through books, movies, television, even games. One of us does an in-depth research on our topic. One of us is familiar with the topic. And one of us knows nothing. So the right questions will always be asked and will be addressed for anyone coming into the topic, regardless of how much you know. Enjoy another world another adventure, another spellbinding story. Join us on the floor. We are returning to the world of The Witcher. As we prepare for Season 3, we are going to go through the major lore points of Season 2, starting with Episode 1. As we close in, we are going to try and combine some of these episodes into of, of the Netflix show into single episodes of The Floor. But as we're starting a new season, there's a lot going on, a lot of new characters and new things, so we're going to be doing them one at a time. So this is episode one of netflix season two so really quick summary before we dive into the major lower points so this is uh the story of nevlin an old friend of Geralt's, who is cursed to be a monster and live alone uh, he's taken up with a bruxa as his companion who nevlin hides from Geralt because he's worried Geralt will kill him the bruxa has slowly killed off an entire village nearby Geralt discovers the Bruxa and kills it. When Nevelyn pleads for his life, the Bruxa threatens Ciri, which is, of course, a non-negotiating point for Geralt. And Geralt is certain it must die. When it dies, that breaks Nevelyn's curse. So that's kind of the summary of the episode. She watched through it. So um, this reminds me of episode one of season one, right? He's, somebody's got the curse and he's he's going after him. It's not episode one. Episode one is about uh, the princess Renfrey, who may or may not be cursed. It's episode three. But yeah, yeah, we know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, we do know what oh, you're talking okay. about. Yeah. All, right. yeah. All right. All right. So uh, there's a few like, so this story, if you pick up the books, this is actually the very first uh, story in all of the Witcher world uh, as the books are compiled together. And in the original version, Cirilla is not there. In fact, this is many years before she will even be born. But other than that, for a, a lot of it is still fairly true to um, 
to the original short story. We'll talk about some of the differences, but it is fa- fairly accurate. Uh, oh, and then the other thing going on in there is Yennefer is captured by Nilfgaard and placed in Demeritium chains, uh, so she can't cast spells. And we'll talk a little bit about that metal as well. So let's let's first talk about curses in The Witcher. As one could expect, anyone with magical power could create a curse uh, through the use of chaos and then place it on. However, there is also this element of a desire. If so hold a, up. So okay. curses use the element of chaos. Well, yes. uh, magic. So they refer to magic sometimes as chaos, right? They control the chaos that is magic, and, and the short version oh. is they control okay. chaos, right? So they okay. use magic, and they place a curse on somebody. But it is mentioned at one point that if a strong enough emotion or desire is manifest in a curse, the magic itself might take interest in that and manifest the curse. So even someone who has no magical powers could place a curse on someone else. But that is definitely not the case with Nevlin. As we dive into it, you'll see these were clearly people who had access to magic and the will of gods to place this curse on him. But All if right. I had, so if I'm on the continent and I have a big enough grudge against somebody, they might receive a curse because if, of my grudge. Well, you have the grudge and you utter the curse. The chaos of magic might decide, yeah, we're doing that. Even though you don't have magic. <laughs> Right. So uttering a curse on the continent is a little bit dangerous. It might happen. Right. You just have to be mad enough. Well, stones may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. It's not something you say no, on the continent. No, not something you say on the continent. Every like No, so it's so it's sticks and stones may break break my bones, but words may often curse me. There you go. Forever is, is, yeah. is the witcher one, yeah. 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 So like I said, it's fairly rare, but it happened often enough that it's documented that like Careful what you say. Magic might decide to just do it because who knows why? It's random. So be nice to your siblings. This is important. <laughs> oh yeah, growing up, you got to be, be nice. too nice because if you're too nice, people are like, "Oh, I'm jealous of him." <laughs> <laughs> so, and then the grudge begins. Yeah, exactly. So you got to be like that fine line. You got to basically just be non-existent. You got to be a neutral character to people. So the the two big deviations in uh, Nevlin's story are in his backstory. So in the Netflix series, he's the son of a wealthy merchant or even a nobleman. You know, we know that he's he studied at Oxenford. His father is unhappy with him. He was always kind of sickly and weakly as a child. Geralt then saves him from a wyvern. And that's kind of the beginning of their friendship. And then later, Nevlin is high on mushrooms and he ransacks a temple of Korem Ag Terra or the cult of the lion-headed spider and rapes a priestess who curses him before killing herself. In the book, it's different. Nevlin actually comes from a long line of bandits. Uh, his great-grandfather started a bandit gang and leadership of that gang has been passed down through uh, the sons uh, of that line down to Nevlin. So he's the leader of a bandit gang and they go to the temple to ransack it. And he is then dared to rape the priestess who then curses him before killing herself. Okay. But he's dared him. And he was like, I ain't no bitch. (laughs) So, so yes, that is a little bit of a difference in the backstory because in, in the original backstory, Nevlin's not a good guy, right? Like he is. Whereas in the first one, he was high out of his mind and did some really dumb stuff. Right. Whereas in the second one, we don't have sympathy for him. And I think Netflix changed that so that he would be a little bit of a sympathetic character. You know, his father mm. just seeing him as just a useless son. And uh, as as he says, like, so Geralt 
slays the wyvern, collects the head. He gives it to Nevlin to show it to his father uh, that and says that Nevlin's the one who slew the wyvern rather than Geralt actually doing it. And Nevlin says, he says, I think that is the first and only day my father was ever proud of me. Um, oh. So the specifics of the curse that are written down, they don't, they're not mentioned in the series, but they are in the books. And she says, you are, a, so this is the curse of the priestess. You are a monster in a man's skin. You will become a monster in a monster's skin. Now, there were more pieces of the curse that Nevlin doesn't remember the specifics as, but he does say something about love and blood on how to break it. Right. Um, like there was a very brief conversation about this happening, but what then happens to Nevlin is he returns home. And, and in both cases, right, whether he is the son of a noble or whether he is the uh, descendant of a long line of bandits, they were very successful. He's a very big, lush home. He's got servants. He's got a lot of wealth. He transforms. In Netflix series, he kills all the servants. In the books, most of the servants flee. Um, but he does kill a few of them, leaving him there alone. And not remembering the specifics of the curse, but kind of fixating on this idea of love. He remembers fairy tales about, you know, princesses and whatnot. You know, they transform the beasts back into men. So initially he threatens this merchant for a life and tells him, you know, if he'll send him his daughter, he'll let him live. And well, the merchant does, but the daughter is an eight-year-old girl. And Nevlin's like, well, that's not going to work. Uh, Hold up. What what kind of monster does he turn into? So in the beast. Uh, in the in this in Netflix show, he's got whole, kind of fangs and tusks, but mostly <clears throat> kind of man looking. In the books, he's yeah, think more like Beast from Beauty and the Beast, like okay. almost mostly bear, with but still tusks and fangs. Um, <clears throat> so maybe almost a boar. And I guess I am a little fixated on the Striga story. She was. A feral, and it seems like he's now a beast, but he's not. Feral. Yeah, he has re- retained his mind. You know, he went yeah. a little crazy the first couple of days after the curse, but other than that, he is, uh, you know, mostly human. I wonder if that's because uh, she was changed at birth and he was changed, you know, mid. Yeah, it's very possible that she is feral because she was she never taught, else. civilized, or anything else. She was always a monster. That is a very right. possibility. And the way Estriga is made, they, they're they made at birth, right? This isn't a transformation that comes upon you later. Back to our story of Nevlin. He then encounters a merchant who's kind of like, has just in really dire financial straits, who's got a daughter who is an adult woman. And Nevlin makes a contract with this man for a large chunk of wealth. The merchant will lend him the daughter for a year. Now, this is not a sexual contract at all. This is a maid. And a cook, essentially. They come in and they're here to just kind of help take him care of him. And he, he he's lonely and he wants somebody there. And uh, so he goes through uh, four different women. You know, they go through a year-long contract. The, the father gets this large sum of wealth. You know, there's a knight. There's a noble. Just various people who need money. He has a lot of it and just wants somebody there. Now, he's also learned that the curse acts as a kind of aphrodisiac. And he does develop kind of romantic relationships with each of these women. But in the end, they all leave and go back to their families and their lives. Um, and so by the time... So Geralt is then hired to look into a bunch of murders that have been happening in a village. And in his... I guess this is not the... Sh- in the Netflix show, he's going to visit an old friend. In the books, he's investigating these murders. 
Either way, when Geralt meets up with Nevelyn, he is currently his current companion is a woman named Verena. Right now, in the Netflix series, Nevelyn knows she's a Bruxa, and he rescues Bruxa. A Bruxa is a form of vampire. Yes. Okay. So they are one of the most powerful types of vampire. They are actually a giant bat with massive fangs, but they can take on human form. And the form they most often choose is a young adult female. Okay, uh, but they, they can choose whatever form they'd like. Yeah, they could be male as well, right? The Brooks can. But like I said, most, most writings and research on them, they tend to choose female. But it's very possible that they really choose that form based on what will serve them best in, you know, what they're trying to do. Uh, they are unaffected by sunlight, but they are vulnerable to silver. Um, they mm. can do like a scream that can launch men back. You see this happen to Geralt in the TV show, and it happens in the books. And the, now the Witcher has a sign called Quinn that can counter this. But uh, Geralt is unprepared for Verena initially. This doesn't happen in the Netflix series, but in the books, he thinks that it's not. Uh, his initial research leads him to believe it's a, a Rusaliki, which is a naiad. Uh, yes, a Rusaliki. A Rusaliki, yeah. Um, which is a what? It's a naiad. So it's a water nymph. Okay, okay. So just to be clear, we've got this beast man cursed dating a vampire, vampire. lady? Yes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Well, yeah, because, you know, she's not scared of him. Right. She can yeah. just scream at him and he goes away. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> they can also alter dreams and they have some psychic abilities and they can slowly reach a point where they can have mind control. So they do not, they, they usually only speak in their own languages, but through their psychic abilities, they can, the receiver understands what the Brooks is communicating in their native language. So you do see a scene in the series where Verena is communicating with Cyrilla telepathically because Verena doesn't speak Radanian, right? She doesn't speak the, the, the human language of the continent. She speaks her Brooks language. So she communicates people with her psychic abilities. Mm, okay. So, like I said, in the books, Geralt is unprepared to fight Verena because he thinks he's fighting a Ruskali, whereas, uh, you know, he's actually fighting a Bruxa, right? And we have seen what happens when witchers get their research wrong. It go, it doesn't go well for them. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it does, however, seem in the Netflix series that he has deduced that Verena is a Bruxa, right? Why that fight doesn't go as well is just because they wrote it that way. They wanted a good action sequence. And also, in the books, Nevelyn is not aware that she's a Bruxa, right? He's only seen her in her female form, and he is completely unaware of that. Not only that, but like in, in the TV show, Nevelyn knows Verena's a Bruxa, and he is in love with her, and she's in love with him, very much so. In the books, it's very different. Nevelyn does not know she's a Bruxa. Uh, he does notice things are strange, but he's not certain why. He then agrees with Geralt that probably it's a naiad. And then um, we learn that Verena's plan for Nevelyn is because he's a monster, she is going to blame all of her killings on him. And uh -huh. she is slowly working on his dreams and psychically taking over his mind so she can mind control him and use him to protect her. Like Verena, in the books, Verena does not love Nevelyn. 
Like she's so he looks him. like a monster, but she's the real monster here. She's well, the yeah. I mean, she's yeah. a Brooks. Uh, Brooks was exactly yeah. the nicest. Yeah. So needless to say, Geralt is familiar with Brooksa, and he real and he learns like she has wiped out the entire village, just slowly picking them off bit by bit to feed. Of course, when he when she threatens Cirilla, that's kind of it. Like unacceptable to stick around. So some big dif- some differences there between the story of Neville and a lot of it is ba- the backstory. And I think the Netflix definitely makes it a little more complex when uh, Geralt kills Verena. Not only that, but Nevelyn has come to like his curse. You know, he likes the magical powers he has. He likes the effect it has on women. And he likes the physical power because as a human, he was very weak, very sickly. And then Geralt breaks the curse and he is a man again. You know. Well, let's take a break right now, and when we come back, tell me these magical powers that he has. But let's take a break for now. All right, so we have been uh, talking about Nevelyn and his story. his magical powers, he can kind of summon food and open and close doors and flips lights and on and off. Like it's a, it's a very convenient. We don't see him doing grand spells like, uh, Jennifer. They're never an outline of what he can and can't do, but it seems fairly basic. And in this in- minor telekinetics and summoning food. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in the show, you'll kind of see pretty much the array of his powers there, but he likes them, right? That is Nevelyn, his story, and kind of the lower points there. Uh, the next thing we'll talk into is the Demeridian chains that they put on the mages. Uh, so needless to say, this is a metal that suppresses magic. It's mined mostly in the Northern Kingdoms, and it's highly valued by witch hunters. These are people who hunt mages, uh, you know, whether they're fulfilling a bounty or they're actually sent out by the order itself to, to bring in renegade mages. The Brotherhood. There it is. That's the word. The Brotherhood. Mm, okay. Yeah. So the ones who way. created the Witchers. Yeah. So and Witchers will sometimes use them to craft bombs because the explosion can then nullify the magic of some of the creatures they fight. However, if they get caught by that blast, it can also nullify their magic abilities. So wait, what do they use to make these bombs? The metal, demeritium. Oh, okay. The metal that suppresses magic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we see those being used. There's there's no deeper lore on why or what this is, only that they, you know, they mine it, witchers use it, and so do the witch hunters. Uh, in the games, you use it to craft some of the really high-end weapons and armor, but it doesn't suppress Geralt's magic when you craft those pieces. Just an oddity that some of the players looked up, be like, I know this metal's like super rare, but... I use magic. Why would I want to put it in my armor? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so just just an oddity there. Okay, so the story of Lara Doran and Cirilla's great grandmother and the root of the Elder Blood. So while they are visiting Nevelyn, he has a small lantern that projects images on the wall. It's a like a story lantern. You know, you put a candle in it and you let it light up a wall and then you kind of spin it. So he's got one of those and he augments it with his magic a little bit. So they're animated more than they would be. Oh, and fun. and uh, the story this lantern tells is the story of a powerful elven mage who falls in love with a human. And they, of course, bring this brings out the ire of the elves 
who kill the human, and in her sadness, the elven woman takes her own life. And this, we we have had small hints and references to, to this. Uh, there's these special flowers that grow at Dol Blothana. Uh, that's the ancient uh, elven fortress. And uh, those are introduced uh, in the story where uh, Geralt is there with Yennefer in season one. Um, it is mentioned that wherever the elder blood falls, these special flowers grow. Hmm. Which is not entirely uh, true. Like the places where they grow is where Laura Duran died. Right, that's the only place we see that in 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 the books. In the in the TV show, it's a little bit different. Um, and so, of course, Laura Duran is the living uh, super baby in the long line of super babies that the elves are creating. Right, we they had the prophecy about the end of the world in snow and ice. And they have been trying to prepare for that by concentrating this magical blood of the elves into a single super baby. And then each generation managing the, you know, birth of the next generation to make sure it gets stronger and stronger. So Laura Duran is... And the prophecy you're talking about is the one that the girl started speaking, right? That lots of people... So Cyrilla does repeat this prophecy in season one. But <clears throat> as we mentioned, the elves heard this prophecy a long time ago. So, and for thousands of years, they have been trying to make their ultimate super baby. Hmm. So the elves have been able to move through the various worlds for some time, but they don't have complete control over it. And so what they wanted to do was when they had the prophecy about the end of their world was to create someone with enough magical power so that they could have complete control over moving through the various worlds and dimensions. And then they, at the time they needed, they could lead their people to a safe world that would not be destroyed. So to do this, they begin the super baby project. We take the most powerful person A, most powerful person B, they have baby, baby's even stronger. And we just keep doing that, right? Keep keep in, in making the bloodline stronger and stronger. So Laura Duran is the last elf in that bloodline. And... She dies, and it is believed that she dies with her baby, but she doesn't, right? Now, this part is not told in this story here. It'll probably come up later. But because her baby doesn't die with Laura Duran, then it, she eventually goes on to become, you know, like the bloodline continues down to Pavetta, who we see manifest this incredible power, and then, of course, Cirilla. So this is this is the story of her great-grandmother and great-grandfather, mm. And and how the elves lose the super baby bloodline they were making and why they don't know who Cirilla is and are looking for her. Because if they knew, they would be hunting her. But they believe that line died out. Okay. And since the elves have lost the ability to reproduce, they can't start the project again. You, I think you've mentioned that. I yeah. don't quite remember. Yeah, we why... did talk about... Like the elves are not reproducing. They don't know why, but they're just not, you know. And it seems to be something that happened at the conjunction or sometime after. They can reproduce with humans to get half elves, That's but right. they well, can't. Well, the women can or something, right? Yeah. Like the men can't. So uh, we don't know. Like it's very possible that male elves could reproduce with uh, human females. Um, but not elves. Human Elves, elves find humans fairly disgusting. Um, and so it's more likely like women, they want children. So 
they use human men's. Um, and then, of course, men can rape women, which produce half-elves, whereas men, if they're completely unaroused by hum- by the human females, very possible just doesn't happen because they're just not interested. Mm. Okay. So whether or not it's possible is not really covered, but it's not mentioned a lot. It's usually and, – and, and it upsets the, the elven men that, one, their women are mating with humans, and two, that they're able to have children where the elven men can't, right? So right. it's a point of contention between them. So, okay. One other big thing that it's, it's kind of left over from last time, but I do want to go into it just because it's going to start evolving here. And this is a big split in the storyline. So in the Netflix series at the battle of Sodom, we see Yennefer tap into fire magic. And then because of it, she loses her magical powers. And yet we see a multitude of other characters use fire magic and they don't lose their power. You know, Francesca, uh, you know, all those other mages uh, who are working for Nilfgaard. You know, later on, we'll meet another fire mage. None of them lose their ability to cast spells because they tap fire magic. Yennefer does. And this is never explained. It just happens, right? Whereas if we look at this storyline from the books, it's not... Uh, yeah, it's not Yennefer who loses her power. This is entirely Netflix stories. It's Cirilla. Cirilla taps into fire magic. And while she's tapping into it, the fire magic taps into her elder blood, which is powerful. And it begins to run wild. And it, and instead of her using fire magic, fire magic is now trying to use her to destroy the world, to burn everything because it's got that elder blood to use. And so she makes a deal with a powerful magic creature to take away her magical abilities. And that's how she loses her ability to cast spells. Tom Bombadil? Tom Bombadil? No. I don't, I don't want to go into it because it, it may or may not still be covered. So I don't want to drop a unneeded spoiler this early. Right. This is okay, a... So a, a couple of things. So Yennefer survived. Yes. Yennefer survives the Battle of Sod and she's captive been by Nilfgaard. And the other thing is, you're talking about magic as if it has motives. Yes. Well, and like I said, we 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 just barely covered curses. Magic kind of wants to do things, right? Interesting. Interesting. You know, and and you definitely see that. You know, I I I haven't seen Netflix go into this, but in the books, it's very clear. Particularly fire magic. Fire magic wants to do things. It has desires. Yeah, it has desires. And, and its desire is to burn the whole world, right? That's what fire <laughs> magic wants to do. Like and it is it is not 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 uh deceptive in that motive. It's like let's burn everything. See if we could do it. Let's try it. You know, like that's and I, I would imagine earth magic doesn't have many desires. Yeah, Earth magic would like to do nothing. Be like, I just sit here. Can I just sit here? Let's just sit here. Just be still, everyone. <laughs> just be just still. Stop. Yeah. You're moving too much. You're making a lot of noise. Yeah. This is unnecessary. Yeah. But yeah, so so in that, uh, Siri retains the powers of the Elder Blood, but she loses all access to traditional magic. So I wanted to bring that up because it doesn't make sense why Yennefer loses her power in the Netflix series. It's never explained why she specifically does. Whereas in that the book, because she used so much. Yeah, but again, we see other mages doing just as much with fire magic. You know, really as much. Well, she is more. She's better trained and more powerful, so she can do more by that nature. But but yeah, I don't think we've seen anyone do close to what she did at the 
I guess that's true. Battle of Sun. She like she full on turned into an army herself and just eradicated everyone. But yeah. So I did want to bring up Cirilla's storyline because in her storyline it's very clear why she loses magical power for tapping fire, right? The fire's like, we can burn everything. Like, I may not even need you. <laughs> just burn everything. We've got elder blood now, baby. Just open the door. Yeah. We'll do the rest. <laughs> we'll do the rest. Yeah. Yeah, so that is episode one and the big lore points. Um, so one other thing they mentioned is the name Koram Ag Terra is the original uh, Polish for Cult of the Lion-Headed Spider. But there was a translation error, and it should have been Koram Ag Ter. But for some reason, it got translated as Terra, and it, it's just never been corrected in any of the translations. They've just left that as the formal title of the Oh, I didn't even go into the cult. I just mentioned it. I was going to talk yeah. about this. I totally but Did you say that is Polish? Yeah, Quorum Agtara. Like Polish. Polish in the real world or Polish in the comic? The real world, because the original okay. books are written in Polish. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, so this is the cult of the lion-headed spider, and this is this is the religion that the priest, priestess Nevelyn rapes. Uh, belongs to. So the lion-headed spider is a god who weaves the threads of the fate of living kind together, and it is founded in 611 by a merchant named Ambrosio. So the temples, uh, this is the god of death and fate. The temples are full of bones and skulls. They don't, like, it's banned in many parts of the world, so usually the temples are like way out in the woods or swamps where it's livable, but there aren't like cities and lots of people. One of the reasons it's banned and seen as a very dark thing is because they participate itself. Yeah. Is they participate in what is called the clearing of the web. And these are assassinations and blood sacrifices of people who Koram deems to be a problem with the web of fate and must be cleared out for his weaving to work. Sounds like he's trying to control fate. <laughs> well, his job is to weave it. And he's like, this thread doesn't work. Let's get rid of it. Somebody kill that dude. I need to, I need to, it's not working here. Well, it doesn't work for his thread <laughs> pattern. Yeah. This is a cult very much connected to a real God with real powers being bestowed on its followers. So when the priestess utters the curse, it comes true. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that's a powerful one you wouldn't want to mess with. Yeah. So, which I mean, he kind of found the silver lining, right? He's like, yeah, yeah this is kind of cool. I like it. I don't, I can lay in bed and then put out the fire. Yeah. That is episode one. I think I've covered all the lore points. Aaron, did I miss anything? Well, I, you missed one really important thing. Uh, so, in the first episode, well, so first off, Nevelyn's form kind of looks like a boar. Yeah, kind of looks like a boar. And so he makes a pun at some point where he says, I'm being a bore. <laughs> so I just want to make sure. <laughs> Aaron's important that. point was, was the pun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you missed it. So I just wanted to make sure. It's clearly part of the lore. <laughs> being a bore. All right. All right. Well, well we, we hope we have covered all the points so that if you watch this or you're with a, with a friend or significant other who is lost in the lore, you can explain all the little pieces to them. Without being a bore. Without being a bore. All right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. 
and uh, we'll catch you next time.